We have finally got training camp action, everybody. The Colts got started with practice on Wednesday, which gave us our first official look at Matty Ice and the Colts offense, plus much more. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Colts fans, thanks so much for tuning in and making us your number one listen of the day. This is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Jake Arthur, joined, of course, by my partner, Zach Hicks. Uh, we're going to continue our roles today as your camp counselors as the Colts got that first <laughs> practice under their belt on Wednesday. Uh, I was there to take it all in. And if you haven't already checked them out, uh, I posted all of my notes and observations from today's practice uh, over on horseshoehuddle.com. So please be sure to check that out because uh, I'm I'm much better at getting things written down and then I leave <laughs> things out when I talk about it. So. We will uh, we will link your article in the show notes. You'll do it for the audio uh-huh. side. I'll throw it into the YouTube uh, comments there. So if you guys are watching us on YouTube, just go in the description. You'll see Jake's article if you're getting it through audio. Right in those show notes where you get the description of the show, we will have Jake's article links where, again, we are much better writers than we are podcasters. So <laughs> you definitely go find our written work. We're a lot more thorough with that. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And Zach had something on, you know, yesterday Chris Ballard pointed out the, the three biggest battles he was looking at. So Zach did something really good on that today as well. So you'll you'll want to check out that too. My boss saying Zach did something really good. I feel good about that, guys. There we go. Oh, uh, no. Zach, Zach's always doing good stuff. You guys know. That's why you're here. Uh, anyways, kind of how these training camp shows are going to go. Uh, since I'm there, we'll just kind of, pe- you know, peck through the notes every day. Offense, defense, and then some miscellaneous stuff, injuries, what have you. Uh, and then Zach, like a talking head, is just going to kind of re- react and, and give his takes on uh, on what went down. So today it was day one of training camp, and we already had to get it moved inside. They didn't get to be outside today. It was storming, early morning rain, like all morning. So of course they had to had to go inside. That cuts that cuts the amount of fans that can join in drastically. But hopefully tomorrow, fingers crossed, uh, Thursday. They can actually practice outside. Uh, so the lineups, uh, this is, of course, the first day. So these are unofficial, but there really weren't any big surprises. Uh, we'll just go ahead and look at offense. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, th- that whole cast. Uh, Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce were the two other receivers that went out with the first team outside of Michael Pittman. Um it was the same line we we figured it would be. Matt Pryor at left tackle, Danny Pinner at right guard. Uh, some other guys that got plenty of run with the first unit was Naheem Hines, Ashton Doolin, and then both Kylan Granson and Jelani Woods. Uh, so, so they're not helping practice. us there. They're just they're they're not helping us with that tight end battle. You know we don't we can't yeah. read the tea leaves. But I'm honestly curious. You're able to go through the depth chart already right now, Jake. I mean, you didn't even have to wait a little bit. It's just about how you word it. 
you know, anyone can see what players go out on the field together first. I'm not going to say yet this is, you know, these are the starters or anything, but that was the first group of guys that came out there. It so. appears as though those group of guys were out there together. That's all we can yes, say. Uh, you exactly. know, take whatever information you want. If you think that means starters, you know, guys out there with Matt Ryan, it could be the fifth string. You know, we don't know. We don't know, but they were just out there at the same time. It, yeah, anyone with eyeballs watching knows exactly how to <laughs> how to contextualize that. Um, so, I mean, Zach, Alec Pierce, and Jelani Woods both got run with the first team or with the theoretical first team today. <laughs> we're just, so, just going to tip around that stuff there. But, yeah, no, Alec right, Pierce. I, I saw a lot of good things from Alec Pierce in the couple mm-hmm. clips that I have been allowed to see, you know, from, from social media stuff, from fans that were in attendance, because I know you guys can't post any videos or anything like that. But right. um, yeah, from everything I saw, I mean, Alec Pierce looked good out there. He was, he was catching some, some pass. I saw there was that backside dig that went viral, yeah. not viral, but the Colts uh, social media posted. Uh, so it's great to see him out there getting run with the one and, and same with Jelani Woods. You know, we, we expected both of those guys to have role this year, uh, probably a bigger role than most rookies on offense would have just because of the depth, the way the depth chart is going. Uh, so it's awesome to see them out there. I think the other question I have regarding rookies is, again, I'm not going to say starters, but did we see Bernard Ryman line up next to Quentin Nelson at all? Uh, not today. No, it was yeah. they, they stuck pretty steady with uh, with the offensive line lineups today. Uh, so, yeah, Will Fries, you had mentioned you thought he was getting some center snaps. He was uh, he was with the second unit as the center. Um, not many surprises there. Jason Spriggs, right guard. Oh, I think we both were, but I think we're both were kind of figuring what what would they do with Spriggs. But Dennis Kelly, of course, right tackle. Um, yeah, so that's how they lined up today. You know, Deion Jackson was the first guy that came out with Nick Foles' group at, at running oh, back, okay. but he put the ball on the ground twice. Oh, Dion, no. Yeah, if if you're gonna hope to keep Philip Lindsay and Tyson Williams and uh, Devonte Price out of your hair, that's not the way to do it. Because Philip Lindsay no, because, like, increases reps after that. Dion, Dion has the easier path between all those guys. Like obviously, Philip Lindsay has the history as a running back, one and, and thousand yard seasons and stuff like that. But to be a depth player on the Colts, you have to be a special teams guy. Mm-hmm. And Dion Jackson, out of all those guys, you know. Philip Lindsay's not a special teamer. Uh, Tyson Tyson Williams is not a special teamer. I don't know about uh, Devontae Price. He might be a, a good special teamer. I, I haven't really mm-hmm. looked too much into that. But Deion Jackson played a lot of special teams last year. He was on the fifty-three man roster for a good chunk of the year, so it makes sense that he would get he would get that run with the second team or with the guys after Matt Ryan's squad. Uh, but you can't put the ball on the ground. You know, if if, uh, if Tom Rathen were still here, I mean. Right. It, it, that would be it for him. He would already be off the team. But, uh, yeah, putting the ball on the ground, that's – especially, again, when you're competing with a veteran who has 2,000-yard seasons and has never fumbled in his NFL career, that's definitely not the way to make an impact. Exactly. I'm sure Scotty Montgomery is going to have a ball glued into that guy's grasp <laughs> for the next several days. Uh, but moving along, Matt Ryan, uh, that's you know that's probably the, the first thing everyone wanted to see. He looked good. Um, I don't, I don't chart seven on seven stuffs because it's already so heavily skewed towards the offense and there's no pass rush. There's no line, right. whatever. Uh, he was seven of eight in the 11 on 11s. Uh, 
honestly, from pre-snap through to everything, I, I noticed what he was doing. He did a lot of pre-snap reads, a lot of checking things, communication with his teammates, getting guys lined up in the right spots. And, um, you know, that was very Philip Rivers-esque of him. Um, again, we kind of talked about how this era has almost just skipped from Philip Rivers, right, to Matt Ryan. Right, right. Um, so that looked good. The arm strength of – People think because he's older that he has no arm strength, and that could not be further from the truth. Uh, he had a really good slant route to Michael Pittman, uh, fit it right in a tight window. Like it, it, it was, it was at the level you would hope to see your quarterback be able to get it in there. Like I had zero concerns about his arm strength after today. He had a deep pass to Paris Campbell. It was into double coverage. Uh, Kenny Moore and, and <laughs> Julian Blackman kind of killed that one, but. No, no concerns about his arm strength whatsoever there. Yeah. Uh, so going to kind of the guys behind Matt Ryan's squad, uh, curious about receivers though, like which receivers mm-hmm. kind of stood Did any of the guys below Desmond Patton, Patman uh, stand out at all, you know, Kiki Cutie to Michael Harris. I don't think Isaiah Ford is probably practicing yet, but like all of those type of guys Did any of those guys make any kind of impact for you. Uh, Ford was out there a little bit. I think I noticed him in positional drills, but, um, really no one has done much of note yet. And again, they didn't pass a ton in the 11 on 11s yet. There was a lot of tight end involvement, honestly, more so than receivers. I feel like, um, so that the second and third group of receivers, there's really just nothing to note there. As far as lineups go, it's like exactly what we assumed it would be. Cutie, DeMichael Harris, Patman, those are kind of your main second team guys right now. Right, right. So more of your guys competing, kinda... competing for that bottom receiver spot, mm-hmm. you know, that fifth, that sixth spot. Uh, and it, again, it just goes back. It sucks that Mike Strawn is probably going to be out for almost all of training camp or a good chunk of training camp because these are the reps mm-hmm. that he needs, you know, and and to lose those reps to guys like Kiki Cootie, who's had a lot of productive seasons in the NFL, a guy like Desmond Patman who can do a lot more on offense, a guy like Michael Harris, who is in his limited snaps has played pretty well. You know, Strawn needs snaps over those guys if he wants to make the team and missing almost all of August or, or what he, what could be all of August uh, that that's just going to hurt him. So, I mean, hopefully he's able to bounce back from that, but uh, the more that you see practices with these other guys, the, the harder it makes Strawn's chances to make the team. It truly does. That, that one's so frustrating because we know what he could do playing with Sam Ellinger and Jacob Eason and stuff like that. Like, right. what could he do seeing him get throws from Nick Foles and and uh, Matt Ryan, of course. My only other thing of note on offense, um, Kylan Granson is a guy we highlighted as kind of needing to, to have a, a bigger summer this year. Uh, he had one of my favorite catches of the day. Uh, Foles found him roughly 20-ish yards down the left numbers. Uh, Granson had to kind of, you know, look back and then slid to catch the ball. Nice. Kept control of everything as he went to the ground. So he had a really nice catch. Probably probably other than Nick Cross's interception that we'll get to, probably the best of the day. And if you guys see me looking around weird, there is just an enormous fly on one of my monitors. So just (laughs) don't worry about my distractions there. Oh. oh man, Kylie Granson though—that's our boy. We've been hyping him up all summer here, so I'm, I'm excited to see just more of him, and, and hopefully that translates to the preseason and the regular season. But uh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, you heard it here first, you heard it here second, you heard it here third. <laughs> We've been saying a lot of Kylan Granson uh, since we took over this podcast, so it's awesome to see him, you know, doing some things here in camp. 
Yeah, Kylan Granson's looking pretty built, which leads us to our next topic, <laughs> Built Bars, guys. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough. That sounds wild because we talked about the coconut puff one. Uh, <laughs> there's the s'mores one that I know about. This one's covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture. Flies love it, apparently. It's got real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Built Bars literally saved me today, guys. It was the first day of training camp, like we mentioned. I'm running around with a million things to do. I grabbed a s'mores uh, Built Bar on my way out the door. And then again, when I got home, on days where it just seems like you do not have time to eat, Built's got you covered. Yep, cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Uh, run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the whole family. It will be the perfect treat. Or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourselves, like Jake was doing today. <laughs> That's basically what Jake yep. was doing. Uh, you're going to love – <laughs> yes, yes. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or you just need to grab a quick bite, like Jake said, build us the yeah. perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, the fats, the sugars. Grab yourself a built bar. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo LOCKED15. That's right. And now we're moving on to the defensive side of the ball. We've already kind of teased a couple of things that we saw there. Uh, but let's let's go with the official, unofficial groupings that we saw out there. So I feel like this the second or third year in a row, the defense rotated so much. Like first, second, right. third unit guys. Like you saw guys who were third teamers lining up against Matt Ryan in the first team offense. So like the definition of these lineups is almost non-existent. Uh, what I can say, I can give you the guys who seem to get the most run with the theoretical first unit. Um, and, and a little side note, DeForest Buckner, he um, – he did individual drills, positional drills, but he was not in the live stuff today. So right, right. I tell you that to tell you this, uh, the defensive line, as expected, your, your three usual suspects, but Chris Williams was out there first next to Grover Stewart. Um, Zaire Franklin and Bobby O'Karake. Um, Brandon Faison was the other starting outside corner when Kenny kicked yeah. inside which is really what we saw in spring as well. So it looks like Faison has the upper hand on Isaiah Rogers. Uh, and then oped Julian Blackman and Nick Cross at safety. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I think yep. across the board, it's kind of what we were expecting. Uh, Faison obviously is one that people are like, maybe like up in arms about if they saw it. But uh, again, he has familiarity with this scheme. He's an older player. He's been with Gus Bradley's whole career. Uh, it does make sense for him to at least get the first run here in camp. And mm -hmm. and even even if Faison wins that that battle, Isaiah Rogers will still rotate a lot like he did last year. So it's not really yeah. that concerning whoever, you know, quote unquote wins that battle. Uh, it's awesome to see Nick Cross getting a ton of run at strong safety like we expected. Uh, and like like you mentioned a few minutes ago, I mean, he was kind of the star of the day, right? Yeah, it was I think it was uh, it was Matt Ryan's second pass of the day and seven on sevens. It was like a five to 10 yard little comeback route to Mo Alley Cox. 
Cross was right there, batted the ball away. And as it was, as it was hanging up there and he was falling to the ground, he came down with it. Uh, if you guys have seen the, the Colts Twitter account, they posted a video of it, but a, a really talented catch, you know, he had to have the concentration, but he also was attacking the ball in the first place to even put himself in position to make that pick. So he was, his teammates were hyped up for him after that. It was, it was great to see after practice, Julian Blackman was saying, you know, the, uh, we expect this from you, you know, you're a rookie of course, but we're not going to treat you like a rookie. Like if you're out there with, with the rest of us, we expect you to make plays. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny when Kari Willis was still on the team, I was saying, you know, all summer, I was like, you know, he's going to take this starting job by like week seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And then once Kari Willis retired, it was okay. He's going to take it by like week two or three from McLeod. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm sure McLeod will get the first run. Now it's, you know, again, you don't want to overreact to a first day of training camp, but like, just as this training camp goes on with him getting all the snaps of strong safety with him getting a lot of run, I don't know how he's going to give up this position. Like, and again, this isn't me going crazy off of a training camp interception. This is off of his film, off of what the Colts view him as, you know, they, again, they, they've said it multiple times. Now they had a second round grade on him. He was the only player mm-hmm. left on the board come third round uh, after they took Ryman, obviously, but uh this is a guy that the team is really high on. And if he gets all this run here in, in training camp, uh, I have no doubts in my mind he'll be the starter come week one. So I'm not going to fully go that far and say that he's already guaranteed the starting strong safety spot. But as these practices stack up, I mean, it just makes it more and more likely. Yeah, and I'm sure they're, they've got Rodney McLeod on a pitch count or they're just right. monitoring his snaps, whatever. But he wasn't out there threatening Nick Cross's spot with the first team or second team or anything. You know, Cross got a lot of reps today, first unit, second unit. Like, he was out there strong today. Yeah. Um, this was a big day for the brand today, man. Nick Cross, we just talked about, doing really well. Curtis Brooks was another one of my big my big standouts for the day. And You're a little probably, biased, though. You're going to be a little biased every time. Every like He does one thing, and everyone else oh, yeah. does, like, 100 great things, and we're going to be like, this was the Curtis Brooks show. But yeah. I trust but your see, judgment more than me, though. If it were me there, I would have run on the field after he got like a sack right. and high fived him and stuff. But <laughs> we'll see. No one else is probably looking out for him. Of course, right. you and I are. Uh, so he had a, a we can't call him official sacks because like they almost never blow the whistle for it. But, you know, in a real game situation, it, it would, the quarterback would have been toast. So Nick Foles had a play action pass. And right when he turned back around, Brooks was just completely unblocked right up there in his grill. So I gave him a sack for that. Uh, and then right at the end of practice, I think it was with the, the third unit, um, Price took a carry to the left side. And there was like three guys right there. And Brooks was front row center, just right in his grill to, to kill it. So he had a couple big plays today, very much reminiscent of stuff that we saw on, on film. So big day for him. Uh, we already mentioned Pierce and everything. So uh, Ben Banigou didn't take long for him to, to get his first sack of uh of the summer preseason so. superstar Man. i mean it was that, this was big always was he going against the second or the third team when he did that like was it against like a dennis kelly or was it against that like, the Jordan so he was guy? lined up okay. on the defense's right side so i think it i think he's i want to say it was Foles. I, i'd have to look back so it would have been okay. against uh ryman uh because ryman was the okay. second team left tackle like all day and another side note I wanted to mention, you know, a lot of people talk about when it's not working out with certain guys, they assume they're bad or lazy or whatever. I I, I watch 
what guys are doing after practice. Uh, Brian Cox and Ben Banigou were working on their pass rush moves well after practice. They were still working on stuff as the media was leaving. And we hang around for a long time. So Banigou is just constantly working on his craft. So if yeah. it doesn't work out with him, it's not for a lack of trying. Yeah, I, I again, I will never go – too much in detail about the whole Ben Banigou stuff with Matt Eberflus and that whole defensive mm-hmm. staff. But the one thing I'll always push back on is he is not a lazy player. Like that has never been the case. You could track his off season work. You could track what he does in training camp. You could track anyone who's ever met the kid. He is not lazy. Like that, that mm-hmm. is the most absurd thing ever. Whoever's putting that out as a mouthpiece for someone else who just doesn't know. Uh, he's absolutely not a lazy player. Uh, the last thing I want to ask you before we get into our last segment and just our kind of miscellaneous mm-hmm. stuff is um, the linebackers. You know, after those top two guys, did we see some of our undrafted guys pop out there? Did we see more Brandon King? What what did you kind of see out of that linebacker group? That was a total hodgepodge. <laughs> and, like, honestly, <laughs> we, we were kind of commenting on it during – there was zero definition of the linebacker stuff. Like, okay. if, you're, if you have the title linebacker next to your name on this roster, you were a- – um, so honestly, Jojo Doman and Sterling Weatherford were the guys you and I have been talking about. Uh, Forrest Ryan looked pretty decent today. I, th- I think he was out at Mike or he, he was the lone linebacker in the center of the field at one point in seven on sevens. And he had a big pass breakup against Matt Ryan. Uh, yep. Ryan tossed one over the middle of the field and, and Ryan hopped up and, and batted it down. So that was a good heads up play, uh, you know, facing a bunch of talented guys he's never had to had to play against that caliber before um so yeah is there there was no no consistency to the lineups or anything guys were just in and out all the time yeah. um there was yeah. even uh trevor denbo the the safety made a big play against the first unit uh okay. waiter okay. in practice so so far the only guys you know what's going on is with with uh shaquille leonard out it's Bobby O'Karake, Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed. That's your top right. three guys. Everything else is just you're you're pulling out lotto numbers essentially. Gotcha, gotcha. One little thing I say about Forrest Ryan is I did interview him this last draft cycle. A uh, really mm-hmm. smart player. Think of like a Josie Jewell type for all you draft nerds out there. You know, just mm-hmm. a really cerebral player. Uh, one of the best interviews I ever had was with him though, and he was telling me that. He knew uh, playing against Penn State if it was going to be a run or a pass on every single play just by how the left tackle was standing uh, before the snap. So you can go and check out that interview, and I actually put videos with it of how of how he described what the left tackle was doing to show run or pass. Really great stuff. So it doesn't shock me that he's doing well in training camp because, he, I mean, when you talk cerebral, that's the first guy I think of when it comes to you know players I've interviewed over the years. That that'll get you far. I mean, shoot, right. especially if you're already mixing it in on the first day. And as much as we like Doman and uh, and Weatherford, shoot, making making plays like that and being good on special teams that'll that'll endear you to the to your coaching staff. Uh, so moving on to just kind of the last bullet points, miscellaneous stuff here. Uh, we'll just re- reiterate some of the the injury updates. Uh, so Taekwon Lewis and Rodney McLeod got activated from pup. Uh, the morning of, and McLeod was out there. Uh, as far as I know, I think he just did positional stuff. I didn't notice him out there in, in 11 on 11s. Uh, Taekwon did not participate today. My assumption there is there's probably some sort of protocol. Like he's not allowed to do this if he's still on pup, but if they activate him, he can do X, Y, Z and w- what have you. So maybe we don't even see him 
this next day either, but they at least get a little leeway with it. Yeah, and then um, for, for yeah. someone like me who wasn't there, just to get more clarification on injury stuff, uh, Paris Campbell, Julian Blackman, Stephon Gilmore, uh, were those guys like full participants? Or I mean, Gilmore, yeah. I don't really care if he's a full participant, but the other two, were they like fully like no limitations for those two guys? Yep. As far as far as I could tell, I I didn't see any any governor on there. Uh, Julian awesome. Blackman actually looked really good today. Uh, he had one of the the bigger plays of the day. Uh, Ryan uncorked one to Paris Campbell about 25, 30 yards down the left side, and Kenny Moore and Julian just had really perfect double coverage on it and Blackman hopped up and, and batted the ball away. So he looked really good. He didn't look like a guy coming off Achilles. Uh, we talked to him after practice and, you know, he said he feels great. He feels like himself. Like normally those guys are like, yeah, I'm still kind of getting my feet under me, working my way back. But he, he mentioned that pass breakup was kind of a, a big box to check jumping off that right. left foot. Um, so that was a big confidence booster for him today, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just I'm I'm trying to be realistic, but my concerns about him are kind of fading away at this point. Yeah, obviously you want to see it in real action. You want to see because guys will fly around and practice, but sometimes we'll see with these injuries lingering. You know, I've talked to so many players over the last couple of years where I'll ask them like, "What was it like mentally coming back from a big injury or coming back from that?" I think one of them was. Um, Reed Blankenship from Middle Tennessee State. I talked to him mm-hmm. and he came back from a major leg injury. And he said, yeah, it took me like half the year before. Like I felt confident coming up and because he broke his leg in like a pile up basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and obviously Julian Blackman's was like a non-contact practice thing, but every time you jump, every time you move, anytime someone's about to hit you, I'm sure that crosses the back of your mind. So like you said, I mean, just the fact that he was able to go up, jump off his foot in a practice thing like that, I mean, that that's a huge, huge thing for these players and mentally giving, getting over that hurdle. So you want to see that transition over into the games and, and into the preseason games at least. But, I mean, like you said, that, that's a great first step for a guy who is coming back from a major injury pretty soon. I mean, what, it's been like eight months, seven months? You know, like it's mm. it's pretty quick how, how much he's come back from this. And this is the second time now he's come back from an injury, like a major injury really quick. Uh, so as long as he has no limitations and he feels good, uh, we can only feel optimistic about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this last thing here, I wanted to get your opinion on it. Uh, so someone brought it up today and it, it's, it's someone on Twitter who kind of just challenges everything all the time, but <laughs> charting throws from seven on sevens and 11 on 11. So 11 on 11s there, you can get some context there, but the reason for not reporting throws for the most part on seven on sevens, or at least not charting them is because there's no pass rush. There's no protection in front of you either. It's it's literally so heavily skewed towards the offense. What, right. as as someone observing from a distance, would you prefer to get to get numbers <laughs> from seven on sevens, or are you cool with just eleven on elevens? Okay, look again. I, I host a podcast. I'm a football nut. I'll be completely <laughs> honest. I don't care whatsoever about any charting in the preseason or in the, in the off season, like training camp charting. I don't care. I, I like, I, I try to like, I'm like, Oh wow. Like 10 of 10, 12, 12, you know, like whatever. But like, none of this is real at all. Like, mm. <laughs> it's so fake. Uh, but I mean, it's great to get, you get to see these guys moving around. These guys are getting in shape. These guys are, 
are getting out there and they're and they're moving around and they're like going one on one and stuff like that. So it is valuable. Like I'm not trying to diminish training camp for people who love it or for people like you who are out there every single day. Uh, but I think it's like when I would see pro football focus do like their quarterback grades on like senior bowl quarterbacks in practice. Yeah. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it, like it's practice. You see how the guy looks. And if he passes the eye test, like, it's cool. Like, if you see a guy and it looks like he's throwing a bunch of picks, okay, maybe maybe he had a bad practice. But I, I do think it's it, there is value, obviously, in training camp. There's value in this stuff. But uh, 11 on 11, I guess, is much more valuable because, like you said, there's a pass rush. There's actually stuff happening. Uh, 7 on 7, there's – there is no value charting that. Like, I mean, we are talking, it's pass scale. That's all it is. It's just pass scale. Like it's quarterbacks aren't actually going through reads. Typically they're just chucking it or they're, yeah. you know, uncorking it. Cause they're just trying to give guys chances. Uh, it, I mean, 11 on 11s is probably a little more valuable, but uh, to me at the end of the day, as long as, you know, guys are out there making plays or staying healthy uh, you can see them, you know, improving each day. That's all I really care about. I don't really need the numbers with it. I, I'm sure there are some people who agree with me on that, but other people who, you know, it, it's great to put in like a notebook like you do every single day to say mm. how guys were doing, how many catches they had or how many completions they had. But um, yeah, seven on sevens, I'm, I'm with you. I would definitely not chart that because <laughs> again, a quarterback is not going through progressions there. There's no pass rush. I mean, it's, it's, there's no, there's no real environment to that at all. Yeah, so if you ever wonder why most of us who report those numbers don't talk about the seven-on-sevens, that is why. It's just not as valuable. I will report some highlight plays from it if something big happens, but that's about it. Only report stuff if it matches your narrative. If if Matt Ryan goes 20 of 20 in (laughs) seven-on-seven and looks like the greatest thing ever, then, then you can put numbers for that. But otherwise, don't put the numbers. We need to match her narratives here is what we need to do. Curtis Brooks exactly. is making plays on seven on seven, so I don't care. Like not even out there, man. Yeah, I can't report on Curtis Brooks if he's not out there, guys. <laughs> so I think that is it for uh for day one of Colts training camp practices. Uh locked on Colts. Of course, we'll be back with you tomorrow. They practice again on Thursday before they have their first day off on Friday. Uh they're trying to give those guys a little rest and you know, make sure they're fully rested before they're actually supposed to go and compete in pads and all that stuff. Uh, So I'll be throwing all my notes back at you again later this week. We're also going to talk to former NFL receiver, Isaiah Stanback and get his take on how a young receiving core, like the Colts, uh, for example, can function and make it work. Yep. And make sure you guys are following Jake on Twitter. I mean, this is the time of year to follow Jake. You can unfollow him for the rest of the year, but training camp is where you need to have uh, follow him. You need to have tweet notifications on at Jake Arthur NFL for his training camp notebooks, his updates during practice. Uh, also at Andrew Moore NFL. He's going to be our other guy from Horseshoe Huddle that will be on the ground. Uh, I don't know if he was out there today, but he'll be out there for a good yeah. bit um, mm-hmm. th- this offseason. So definitely follow Andrew. Follow all of us over at Horseshoe Huddle. That's where we're going to have all of our written work where Jake puts his notebooks out. I put out stuff that I'm just kind of guessing. I mean, it's all complete guesswork for me. <laughs> no, but honestly, I'll be diving more into Gus Bradley's scheme and stuff and doing some of the nerd stuff behind the behind the scenes. Um, and also rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen to your podcast. You know, if it's on YouTube, uh, give us a thumbs up, you know, write a good comment if, if you feel like it's a good podcast. If you're on uh, Apple or Spotify, uh, give us five stars. Tell us what you think about the podcast. But we appreciate all the support so far and just keep it up, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for making Locked on Colts your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked on NFL podcast. 
That's our national NFL experts and insiders keeping you guys dialed in with the biggest stories and latest news from around the league. We'll see you tomorrow.